Welcome to Account Trends, everybody. I'm Jason Stein with Intuit Accountants. My co-host, David Bergstein, and I are excited to be with you every couple of weeks to share the latest news, interesting perspectives, and hottest trends in the tax and accounting world. We'll have special guests on the show to help break these trends down and give you food for thought as you find new ways to deliver for your clients. But most importantly, we plan on having some fun while doing it. Welcome. Welcome back to Account Trends, everybody. Your host here, Jason Stein, along with me, as always, Mr. Bergstein. How are you today, sir? I'm doing wonderful today. Actually, I did a little pickleball this morning. It's super hot right now, so you can't play late. So I decided to uh, do some self-training as an accountant. The big thing now is having a written information security plan. Well, about Pub 4557, everybody's going crazy. We had to put them in place by, I think, the ninth. I had mine in place. So a whole bunch of stuff going on with that. But I, I enjoy other stuff. And the other stuff is, what's happening with your chickens? You started <laughs> with, you know, how many did you start with? So we got, we started with six. Uh, and and four, four of them were like Egger chicks. And then two of them were like designer chicks that my wife wanted, uh, frizzles and um so what we lost one of them, and then we decided to go get more, as I've told you about before. And we got a few from kind of call them backyard breeders, but they're I mean, it, it's not it's not like the same term as like when you'd call somebody who breeds dogs a backyard breeder like that. It's very, very common for for people to kind of buy chickens from each other. One of them turned out to be a rooster. And he started crawling. We don't want roosters. I know, I think I was trying to give them away to Tatiana when we were doing the show last time. Well, I found a woman, well, my wife found a woman locally who takes in unwanted roosters. And then I guess she takes them to auction, and I don't know what happens to them after auction. So yesterday, we went and dropped off George, who was our rooster chicken. And, uh, you know, oh, thank goodness, we're done. No chickens, roosters gone, and just focus on our hands. As I was walking out to record this episode to my office, I heard crowing down by the coop. One of our originals that we were kind of not sure about, his name is Punkin, because he's a orange and reddish frizzle also with the fluffy feathers, was crowing in the coop. So now we still have a rooster. <laughs> we just have one less, apparently. So is that what you're telling me? You can't tell uh, the sex of a chicken at birth? You have to wait a while. It's certain ones. Certain breeds, it's really, really hard to tell until they just grow up and they either start crowing and grow big wattle or they're, they're hens. Well, so, this, is more, this, is more exciting. this is more exciting than accounting trends. And you have a <laughs> d- designer chicken. Did you open up a Twitter account or a new Threads Instagram account? Uh, <laughs> no, just, just for us. But, you know, maybe someday. Well, you, you keep me interested in a pride. Now, have you sold any eggs yet? That's the question. Uh, they won't start laying for a few more weeks still. But uh, once once they do, I'm sure we'll we'll start selling them. Okay, I think we'll do another podcast on chicken trends as we go forward. But I think, <laughs> I, I think today we have an interesting guest because the name of the show is Account Trends. Uh, and when we talk about Account Trends, we're going to see someone that's actually taken the trend, I think, and... Uh, moved from thinking about having a tax accounting client service practice to one that's, I think it says on her website, dedicated to advancing your financial goals, a different kind of input, 
It looks a little different. So tell us yeah. who we have, introducer, and let me know what, what's going on. Yeah, I love that, David, and and a perfect setup. So usually on the show, we have um, a pretty heavy lean towards uh, and having guests that are uh, independent thought leaders in the profession. Um, and I think you and I, we wanted to get some more folks in uh, that are, you know, real life people out there implementing these trends, right? So we, we want to talk about the trends, make sure we have an understanding of those, but then we also want to make sure that we're um, talking about how that actually applies in real life, right? Because sometimes that can be very different. So with us today, we have Amy Phillips uh, from, uh, she's the owner of TriStar CPAs and uh, uh, very established in her uh, journey on implementing advisory services, just like you called out from from the website's perfect example of, of Amy's firm's approach uh, to how this profession should be looking at working with clients going forward. So Amy, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Oh, very excited. So we are eager to unpack your journey. Can you tell us tell us about your journey in, in the tax and accounting industry here? Okay, well, I was an older student. I didn't come into it. I started in accounting when I was young and then uh, went other directions and then came back, circled back around to it, graduated when I was in my 40s. And um, anyway, the the deal is it kind of caught me off guard when this huge change came about. So the change in what accountants are expected to do and what the opportunities are just hit all of a sudden. And at least for me. So I had been in the industry for uh Almost 14 years, I was in I was um, in industry for a long time, and then stepped away to do um, to do tax and uh, accounting, and opened up my own firm. Uh, so it was a it was a journey, and I just had to feel myself along the way. And I was by myself for a while, then I had uh, other CPAs that joined me. So it was. I love the people I work with, and then as all of that was coming together. I stepped out of industry and really poured myself into this little firm. I loved it. I loved meeting with the clients. And um, the other thing that I really loved was the learning opportunity. I love to learn. And so it was a learning opportunity. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, here comes this, these seminars and conferences. You got to do advisory. You got to do advisory. And I thought, what is advisory? Are we not already doing that? And yes, we were. <laughs> When I really looked at it, we were doing advisory and not charging for it. We just, it was just part of the conversation. Um, and I, it was the part that I loved. That was what I realized. I loved being able to help clients. I, I like the way you, you set up on your website that you lead with advisory services. You have an article out on your website. What's the difference between a bookkeeper and a CPA? Uh, and that's really how you're leading. And it looks like you guys wrote it, you know, you know, the saying that an accountant does strategic business planning for growth, uh, turnaround guidance for struggling businesses and investment options. And I like the word they have that, that help mitigate risks or industry risk. So you really are setting the trend by taking it's a four person accounting firm, I believe, at this point in time. It is. And we have uh, a couple of bookkeepers and an admin assistant that's very part time. Actually, we're virtual. We're totally virtual. 
Uh, we uh, That's the only way we have ever been. I started it that way because I had to, and now I love it. And the pandemic really helped accelerate all of that. So um, it's helped us keep our rates um, at a reasonable reach for the clients that we serve. And we serve smaller clients. And a lot of CPA firms serve larger clients. Well, that's kind of not us. We are at the end of our um, our time as accountants, but we want to we want to be current. And what we have found over the years is that clients, if we are just responding to clients, we're really not serving them. All we're doing is answering questions. They are driving with their questions and they only know these many questions to ask. They don't know there's a whole scope out there. They're not, not even aware of so they're making these decisions based off of answers that I've given to their questions and that the decisions they're making are not helping them. They're hurting them. And so when in advisory in this journey, it has um, changed. It has given me a language to tell a client, this is your question. This is my answer, but it's not what you need. This other is what you need. And if you want to do your business based off of my answer, you're going to crawl. Your business is going to crawl. If you have a financial background, it may actually walk, but you're not going to run in your business until you do a year of advisory or more. And uh, these are the things that we're going to look at. So it's given me a language to be able to, yes, accept a, a question from a client, but really let them know there's a bigger playing field out here that you're not even aware of. You don't know you're on a soccer field with lots of other players. You just see your little corner, your little quadrant of the world um, as far as financial opportunities with your business. So so that's how you're transitioning. It sounds like a great way to set the trend. So how would you advise other practitioners your size to jump on this trend of talking to their clients, and then I guess you're upselling them. You know, how do you do it? Yeah, and and let me add to that before you answer, Amy, because I love that question, David, and it kind of uh, aligns with what I was thinking. What I love about your story, Amy, is you come from the traditional background, right? You come from traditional ways of working in this space, and that's where a lot of the profession is stuck right now. Is a lot of people are stuck in in that traditional business model, and then. And then you you called it out, you nailed it, and you said, what is this advisory? I thought we were already doing that, but then realized I was doing it for free. And I mean, I can't tell you the number of firms I talk to that say that exact same thing, but they don't know how to get over that, right? They, they recognize, yeah, okay, I'm not doing advisory as a business model. How do I make that switch? And and talk about like the, the personal mindset part that you had to go through and then how you get your clients on that journey because you started you started touching on it with well what you're asking is this but what you really need is this like go into more depth about that i love that so i have struggled with that that very thing because we're not salesmen i'm a helper i'm not someone who sells we weren't taught to sell um we were taught the technical aspects of our trade and people don't understand it uh, because they haven't studied it they would rather groom a dog in their in their dog grooming salon. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's really what they love. To have them pull over and look at numbers is painful. It's like pulling teeth. Who wants to go to the dentist? Nobody wants to do that. Well, who wants to look at their financials? If really you just want to pet a dog and groom him. So, you know, I feel like 
business owners, they're not always set up to be good business leaders. And you have to lead a business for it to succeed. You can't just let it happen. It will dwindle into some place you don't want it to be. It's not going to deliver what you want. So as as I was thinking through all of this, because we work with predominantly smaller companies uh, and in individuals, we don't do high net worth. Um, it was a struggle to me how to sell something that I felt like my clients wouldn't even know they need. So it took me about three years of going to seminars, just struggling with the language because what they talk about in seminars seemed a bit bigger than what my clients are doing. We have mom and pop shops, local business owners, franchisee owners. Um, So the struggle was more with with the language. And once I figured out that not every business owner wants to be hugely successful, (laughs) they just want to groom the dog that's in front of them and have enough food to put on their table. Sometimes they're happy with that. But some business owners really are are in trouble. Um, And some businesses want to do better than how they're doing. And it's those identifying those clients and having the language then to say to to reach out, to initiate, to begin initiating these conversations. Um, Joe, you called me the other day with this question. That was a great question. Um, Figuring where your company, where it is right now is going to be very valuable. But let me tell you, you're looking at a little speck of the full picture. You really need to, if you want to do really well, you need to invest in your business and look at the big picture. And that's what we do in advisory. When you're ready to really move your business forward, you know, we're here for you. I want to put you through a year of advisory. Um, I've done that. It's amazing. Once you develop the language, I'm not interested in selling something that people don't need. I'm not interested in selling something people don't want. What I want to do is look at someone that I know and I care about and I've been working with and say, you don't even know you need this. And you don't even know that you're actually selling and you are by asking that question. You know, it's a great question that you asked me, uh, my client. But if you really want my help in doing more, so you're opening it up, you're educating them. So you are constantly selling by educating. And when they're ready, you take them. So I start the conversation with my clients long before I think they'll jump in. And I start tilling that soil and it comes easy because I know they need it and they don't even know they need it. And it takes me some time, sometimes uh, several months before they actually get it. And they'll ask questions and I'll say, you mean like what you're asking me this, like what you would get if you were in advisory? (laughs) You know, Um, you and I say you're not going to nickel and dime me to death with questions when you need to be in a year of advisory and then you get an open door and I'll take every question you have any way you want to give it anytime you want to deliver it. Um, And you're going to come away with not just your questions answered, but you're going to come away with information you don't even know is out there because I'm going to have the ability to push out information to you and say, hey, you know, look at your compensation packages. They're out of whack. Um, look at this tech that's come out. Look at it. It's going to save you some money. Uh, look at your processes. Uh, uh, they're inefficient. 
look at this, look at that. You're going to be getting some stuff from me. And I think that's where clients, they forget. They think they're the boss. They are the boss, but they don't know. And until they understand, they don't know. You can't pull them into advisory because they think they know and they don't. And that's what you have to expose to your client. And that's a hard thing because people want to feel competent. They are competent in their trade. But the financials, everybody thinks it's easy. But I think it's because we've made it look easy. And it's it's like premier athletes. They make everything look easy. Athletes, <laughs> then, I'll, then, I'll, then I'll pass back to Jason. I'll be quiet for a while. <laughs> You're very proactive about moving them to advisory, but what's the first step you take with the client when they say, you know, you're right, I should be asking more questions. What do you do at that point to initiate the advisory service? Well, so usually they bring me in for a, a very specific thing. And, you know, they're very cost sensitive. They're price sensitive. Um, but I tell you what, once they realize there's a that they need more than what they even know, they're willing to pay. Um, and then I'm willing to deliver. So the thing is not to deliver um, what they haven't paid for. And that's really hard to rein myself in. And but through this journey, I've learned to look at my clients and say, you know, that's beyond the scope of what you've hired me to do. But if you really like to have that conversation, and I agree with you, you need to have that conversation. And even more than what you're asking, if you want that conversation that we do offer advisory services, and when you're ready, I think you'll do it. The sooner you do it, the faster you'll be, you'll get up off your butt with your business and, and moving with it. Amy, you are just singing my song with <laughs> some of the, uh, just the, some of the kind of little Quid pro quos of examples are not quid pro quo. That's the wrong word. But the the quips, the the examples that that you're talking about, where you're very straightforward with them, right? Like, hey, you don't realize X Y Z, right? This is why you need this. That is, I think, the the epitome of the thing that that when people tell me, well, I don't feel like I have the confidence to advise clients like like what we're talking about here. Can you talk more about how, what are the things that sort of gave you that confidence that, that lets you, that, that opens the opportunity for you to have those kind of candid, uh, real conversations with people? Because I think a lot of people, you know, you said it early in the show, like, I'm a helper, right? That's what a lot of people are in this profession. We're helpers. We want, we want our clients to like us. We want to make them happy. And all that's great. But sometimes the way that we make them happy is not by just answering every question they have or doing whatever they ask and just responding in a reactive format, but but getting real with them. Um, and I think it was Joe Woodard that was talking about this with me once. Um, I think we had him on a show, David, where he was talking about psychology and how like it relates to like parents. Like sometimes parents, you need to be firm with your kids and say, this is what's going on here and make them uncomfortable and, and learn how to be okay with being uncomfortable for their sake. And so so how do we how do we get there Amy? How did you get there? And and what advice would you give others that are that are struggling with that? Well, you know, I think I think I know what I like. And when I need help with something, I like to know somebody knows my name. I like to know 
that when I send an email, it's not going to sit there for a week. And I like to know that when I pick up the phone, they're going to say, Amy, how are you doing? And there's a relationship there. We care about our clients. I think it's not all about money for us. And we're a little unusual because none of us really work full time. But because of the way we've arranged our company, we can we can have ebbs and flow in our work life and it works for us. And we have a lot of life work life balance because of it. Um, so I think, you know, we want to have that relationship with our clients, not just as a business to business relationship, but as a person to person. And we do really care that our clients do well. I do like to speak very frankly with my clients because I'm not trying to sell them anything. I'm not trying to be nice and tiptoe. I'm truly interested in them and the outcome of their business. And I'm okay if they're okay, if they just want to slide through life. But if they really have some aspirations and some goals um, and some needs in their life, then I want to help them get there. And if answering their questions is not the way to get them there, then I have to say, this is not going to get you where you want to go. Here's the answer, but it's not going to get you where you want to go. Where do you want to go? How badly do you want to get there? How quickly do you want to get there? You can know exactly what you need to do in the next 12 months. If you will step into advisory, you don't have to stay there. Do a 12-month stint. Go away if you want to. Come back next time you want to make take the next step. There's always next steps in a business. And I just tell them they can go it on their own if they want, but it's not going to get them where they want to go. And so that to me, uh, when you give the client the choice to be in their business, in the community, the way they want to be there, then it frees you from the, it frees them from the expectation that they have to be the superhero in their industry. And I think some people want to be superheroes in their industries. Um, I want to help the client achieve what they want to achieve. And they're going to they're gonna take the steps they want to take to achieve what they want to achieve. And if I lay on them an expectation that they, because I know they can be uh, rock stars in their industry. If I lay that on them, it's a burden. And it may not be what they want. It may not be what they need. It may be the best thing for their business, but it may not be what they need. I agree with you 100%. You know, and you're really doing advisory service the way it is. You're asking them what they want to achieve. And then you're helping them achieve it rather than saying, this is what you should achieve. You're asking what their goals are. That probably goes back to your gardening skills. You're nurturing <laughs> them uh, to take them where they have to go. I, I think, you you know, we keep, uh, Jason and I go off on these tangents. We call the show Account Trends. Uh, but your journey is a trend. We're seeing more and more people adopt the advisory model, but they don't know how to do it. You, you, you're telling them, hey, I'm small. We, we, we're a uh, mature firm. We're, we're, we started late in life, yet we saw the trends. We jumped on it, and we're being successful. Do, do you go for growing a lot of clients on uh, your side, getting new clients, or are you 
grow by nurturing your clients to expand and buy more advisory services? Both. Both. And this journey has really blessed my uh, existing client base because it's really allowed me to have conversations. And I think you do really have to struggle with the language of it. And because if you don't, if you can't communicate in a way that you're comfortable with, it becomes a sales pitch and people pick up on that. And I think I am very comfortable about helping people achieve what they want to achieve and better themselves. And when I see something glaring, I'm not going to let someone I care about sit there uh, in a puddle and not offer them a hand up. And um, some new clients, I I mean, I've closed more new clients, uh, prospects to clients than I ever have in the last six months because I've I've settled. I don't know that that's a good term for it, but I've established, maybe that's better, established a mode of communicating the value of advisory and and people are hungry for it. And by the way, um, they, when CPAs say they're intimidated by it, I feel like there's so many areas of advisory. I can't go into certain areas of advisory. I have to refer people out if, if they're looking for that, if they need that. But I know what part of accounting I'm very comfortable with and knowledgeable about and have a level of expertise in that I feel like I can offer as, a, as advisory. And clients need that. I have a client right now who's she's paying her people way too much. She's working for her She's working for her staff. They're walking out with her cash and she's left with the obligation, um, the responsibility and the debt. So, you know, she doesn't know how to turn that around. Well, I'm going to I'm in the middle of helping her do that. And she's a new client who came in very price sensitive, wanted just accounting services at the minimal. You know how that goes. Yep. And I just looked at her and said, you know what? You can have that but it's not what you need. <laughs> and it, I said, if you want your business to really take off, I said, you've got a lot of good things in place, but it's not going to take off unless you step into a year of advisory with us, turn us loose to do our best work for you uh, because your business needs it and you and you need it. This is not a good situation that you're in. Um, and she called back a couple of days later and said, okay, let's do it. <laughs> I said, okay. I hope everybody who's listening writes down what you just said. <laughs> you can have that, but it's not what you need. Yeah. That's that's how you open up that conversation. Absolutely brilliant. David, you were going to ask a question. When you're doing this advisor, what, what amount of the advisory turns into minimizing their tax burden or, or helping them reduce taxes? Does it, does it all end up along those lines? Somewhere along the line as their business gets better, it all relates to tax? We try to do a 360 degree look when we're in advisory and what helps us with our pricing uh, is one, the size of the, of the company we're dealing with. Cause if they're small, you know, it's, t- it just requires less time. Um, if they're larger, it requires, it requires more time. And we just kind of price based off of that, but also um, we price based off of where they are. If they're a startup and need help with registrations, uh, set up, you know, then We'll take them from that point, if they, especially if they don't feel comfortable doing some of that themselves, and but they'll pay more for it. So if a company comes in, they're already established, they've already got 
some things going, then uh, we do try to not look at the basic stuff, try to delve into more um, of the deeper stuff. And that includes tax advisory. Uh, They can have some of our clients, existing clients, just come in for tax advisory now. So they they will hop in and out of tax advisory every other year, every three years, whatever. They don't, we don't keep our, we don't, I don't think we're going to head to where we only take advisory clients. I mean, that may be the thing some firms are doing, but I think we'll always have an element of compliance because our clients are smaller and they don't always need advisory year after year after year. But um, we like to give them the freedom to hop in and out so they don't feel shackled. So they don't feel like they have to terminate a relationship because they're not being offered really what they want and need at this particular time. So I don't know how that sits with the current trends. Um, That's something that I'm looking at to just watching the industry and seeing how this thing morphs. But um, I, I want to have, I want to have clients that are in and out of advisory as needed. And um, so that's, how we are approaching it at this point is come in for a year, hop out until you're ready for more, and then come back in for another year and we'll load you up and, and then you're ready to go for another two or three years. Um, I don't know how to do it any other way. We do sell uh, new clients. I'm ramping up my sales skills, actually. <laughs> and one of the things that I've learned uh is to ask the why question and keep asking why. Because really, until you get to the personal why, you have yet to figure out what's motivating this person. And they may come to you with business issues, but you won't know the why unless you ask it. And, you know, we've been taught not to ask why. It's a threatening it's a threatening question. It puts people on their guard It's uh, or on the defensive. Um, or at least I was, I was raised, (laughs) I was raised by a salesman. They said, don't ask why. Well, now I'm ramping up my sales skills trying, because I want to reach new clients. Um, and when I reach new clients, uh, it will feed our bookkeeping. It will feed our uh, tax work. It will feed our consulting to fix problems and sort things out. So I feel like really advisory is going to be our first foot because it's going to feed every other arm of our business. And um, anyway, ask the why, because until you know what motivates people, you're not going to really know which direction to head. People have all different kinds of personal whys. It's that personal why that drives their business. Uh, goals and aspirations, truly. So, uh, so first of all, I want to call out, Amy. The what you talked about with your how you go about, you know, putting people on advisory, right? Like, I think that's really cool because you know, I think this looks. People think you hear from the experts, and, and people think oh, I have to do it this way, and. You're definitely when you when you hear those things, right? Like we do it too when we teach how to train, you know, how to get implement advisory services. We say, look, here's the recommended steps that you follow, right? But that doesn't mean you absolutely have to do that. It's just what what the experts have seen that the leading firms that are they're doing it, that's how they do it. Um, 
but but it can look different for different people. And I, you know, you made me think about David Jody Grunden when he was talking about his uh, clients back when he his firm was still independent. I'm sure he still operates this way, even though he's been um, acquired. Um, but the he would talk about how like there's no cancellation policy, there's no contract, right? Which is not exactly the same as what you're describing, I Amy, mean, but kind of along the same lines. I bet that you have quite a few clients that might've gone into a year's worth of advisory with you and then just said, why would I ever want to not have that? Yeah. Right. And just keep doing it because you're delivering on exactly what you're, what you've been talking about, you know? Yeah. We're, we're going to do the compliance. Work, but that's, that's really not the most important thing here. The most important thing is helping you achieve your goals and outcomes. And I can help you with that because I, I may not be an expert in your business, but I am an expert in financial health. And that's how we're going to get there. Advisory allows us to take the compliance items off of the worry list of the client. We pick that up. And they don't have to worry about it. And we don't talk about it. What we talk about is how are they going to turn? How is this little business that's a startup and bleeding way more than it should? How are we going to help that business turn a corner so that that business owner who's working herself to death can make it make an income and make it work for her and not just make it work, make it um, make it a joy for her? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what it should be. And so I was also thinking about, I love that you unpacked a little bit about uh, the questions that you asked, because I was going to come back to that, like thinking about your um, your client example that you gave about paying their employees too much. How did you uncover that, right? Was it with those why questions? Can you help us um, understand how you navigated that conversation to uncover that problem to then lead you to, okay... Because she probably, I don't know if she she was aware that she was overpaying her employees. Uh, what what problem did she come to you with and how did you uncover that? She came to me for bookkeeping services. She was leaving her old CPA because they were charging her too much. <laughs> no, they weren't. They weren't charging no, they weren't. her enough. <laughs> they weren't delivering value. I think they were telling her what she needed. I think she needed someone else to tell her the same thing. That's what I think was going on there. She had the nicest set of financials I've seen in a long time from a new young business owner. She made a good decision. And I keep telling her, you made the best decision. It would have cost you significantly more for us to take you on um, if you had not had a good set of financials. And she was grousing about having how much she was having to pay for it. And I said, you don't even know what you had. And believe me. It was really good. So she came asking for bookkeeping services. And so I was drilling into the bookkeeping and noticed these things. And I was able to go back to her and and say, you know, you've got some real business, difficult business decisions to make. If you want, do you want to be successful in this business? And how quickly? (laughs) And she said, I know I've got to stop. I've got to. I don't know where to go with this. And I said, no, I don't think you do. And you're not going to know unless you enter advisory. So you've got a choice to make here, really. Your business is either going to be viable in a year or you're going to be out of business in a year. So make 
you know, that's a hard decision to make. Maybe this isn't for you. Maybe you need to do something else. Not everybody's cut out to be a business owner. If you love this business, then invest in it so that you can make it work because it can. It's you've got a lot of good things going, but it's going under. Why is that? There's some, and I I said there's several things I want to talk to you about. <laughs> but it's beyond the scope of bookkeeping. And by the way, you're gonna to have to pay for it. So you don't want to, but you're gonna to have to if if you getting back to Jason's question though, when you looked at the financial statements, did you see that the salary percentage was out of whack with the industry? How did it jump out at you? Because you looked at the financials and a percentage of salary. Yeah, the percentage the percentages were off, and then I ran a payroll for her and I thought, wow. They, these employees are making bank. <laughs> They're, this, this isn't right. Um, her rent is out of right, out of whack as well, that she's under a 10-year contract. Well, that was a move she made that she's going to have to live with. But she has bandwidth. Um, there's several things on the expense end I think we can do for her, but she would not know which direction to head. Um if she had not come into advisory and she did come into advisory. So I'm very thankful for that. She's in, she didn't want the top notch advisory, but she did come into advisory. So I'm going to give her what I can with, and, you know, hopefully in a year's time, she's going to return because we won't get off. We won't get finished with it all. But. So, so, sounds like you're on a great track. I guess yeah. you're offering uh, clients to choose like two or three levels of services from transactional to managerial to CFO, and uh, they got to make the choice. And even if they just want tax advisory, then we offer that as a standalone as well. Normally, that's to existing clients, and a lot of that's to individuals who have Schedule Cs. um, You know, they're self-employed. Sometimes we'll do an S-Corp, but we don't have that many S-Corps, and the S-Corps are a little more advanced. They're, the business owners are a little more sophisticated. Um, once you get into other types of uh, organiza- or business organizations, but the Schedule C business owner um, is not always that sophisticated. So that's where we see a lot of our tax advisory coming from. Um, and that's a tr- and that's a trend that most people forget. You could be. You sound like you're dealing with a lot of micro and mini businesses as opposed to small businesses, but they need advisory services too, and you're leading them down the path. That's yeah. I think. That's super interesting to me too, Amy, because I think a lot of us, and I'm guilty of it myself. A lot of us think, you know, the people that are the right fit for advisory services are higher net worth, higher revenue, you know, businesses. Because we define small businesses like. All the way up to like a million in revenue or something like that. It's it's a lot, um, and so the word small business, you know, gets tossed around. But what does that mean exactly? And I know there's a lot of people out there that have smaller clients too, just like you're describing. And I love that you've managed to make advisory work for those clients as well, because they're probably the ones that even need it the most, right? Right. There are these mom and pop shops shops out there. They're the People who rent dumpsters for a living. I mean, they're very, very blue collar, but not all of them. Um, some of them are highly educated and they're very good consultants in their field. But they're and they they do. Those people know they have um, 
better questions. They come at us with better questions because they have their eye have a higher level of education. They have a bigger, um, I don't know what you call it, but some education does something for you to expand your view a little bit so that you, you know, to look beyond and look out to the edges. Mm-hmm. And that's where I see some of the, the tax advisory software. I view them as being on the edges of our industry. We can't go where the software can't take us. Um, otherwise we're, we, unless we use Excel or something like that. Right. I I love, I love where the software is taking us. It's allowing this industry to grow and expand. And it's allowed us to step into advisory where we probably would not have. We were waiting for the right software to come along. Um, So once we found that software, it was like, you know, I heard when I was going through it, I heard, follow me. It's like the Pied Piper. It just opened the door, waved us in, and now we have something that will deliver for us. And it's allowed us to, it's really been a game changer. Yeah. And you're talking about the Intuit Tax Advisory product. We appreciate that product plug, Amy, but uh, more <laughs> more importantly, we appreciate your insights today. I uh, thoroughly enjoyed learning from you, learning and digging in on those real conversations that I think a lot of people are are hungry to hear. And 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 I hope that um, everybody listening has gained some some awesome tips from from Amy's story and with how she um, has these conversations with with prospects and existing clients. You, you can do it too. And and you, the only way that you're gonna get great at it is to start somewhere just like Amy had. So Amy, thank you so much for being on the show today. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And Mr. Bergstein, as always, good to see you, my friend. Till next time. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you want to learn more about any of the topics discussed on the show, visit intuitaccountants.com forward slash podcast. Account Trends is produced and edited by Luke Johnston. Copyright Intuit 2023.